Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Podcast of soccer we trust. It's a bit of a deep cut for some of you. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad. Only Hollywood Heath Pierce is going to be joining me today because Charlie Davies said, I'm using air quotes for everybody listening, he had a scheduling conflict, but Heath and I both know that is code for he was tired of being on his yacht in the Atlantic Ocean and he wanted to switch things up and go spend time on his super yacht in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. So it's just me and Hollywood today. We're talking about every single one of our number nines, or shall I say potential number nines. In the U.S. men's national team player pool, doing something of consequence this weekend, scoring, getting assists. So we're going to put this position under the microscope once again, because given the skill sets, Heath, of these different players, I really feel like one or two of them have to go, if only to give us a different look in different situations once the World Cup begins. Have you ever seen a, a weekend like this, Heath, where everyone on the bubble was on fire? Uh, I mean, not for a strike, not from a striker front. I mean, we we did see... Because we we want Ricardo Pepe, we want the other players that I think are, were are going to be tested over the next months to have have good weeks as well. But I do remember leading towards the end of the year where we were having like these high highs. Everyone's playing in the national team. Everyone's doing well. We get an assist or a goal from Timo Weah. We get you know like the, the whole mm-hmm. range of players. Tyler Adams starts. Weston McKinney. Uh, well, I guess he was injured towards the end of the year. But like there was this big pool of players where we'd have these high highs and he'd be like, oh, no one played this weekend. And so this is a nice little hype because you know. Uh, we as fans uh, don't value preseason that much because you're like, oh, it's a friendly. It doesn't matter. But when you're the national team players, you're looking to get into form. You're looking to prove that you should be a uh, a starter when we're talking about some of these players who are at new clubs trying to prove themselves. So it's wildly important to get your minutes in preseason and then convert, especially when it comes to our strikers. So I don't think we've had uh, necessarily a weekend like this, but – I don't care if anybody call these friendlies or meaningless uh, moments. They're big when you're a player trying to find your form and try to make this World Cup roster. A hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think there's anything meaningless about these games. Now, to catch everybody up on who we're discussing, Jordan P. Fox scored for Union Berlin against Nottingham Forest. Uh, it was a good run to the near post. His winger did a lot of work across it, and he was in a good spot. Jimmy, Jimmy, and, and Jimmy, hold on real in. quick. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah, were you, yeah. have you been screaming all weekend long? You got a little raspy voice right now. What, what, uh, yes, what, 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 what were you doing that made you lose your voice? <laughs> yeah, good question. So I was in Kansas City for the LAFC game. Screaming. I was in person yes. to see Gareth Pale score his first ever goal, or MLS goal, I should say. And I was helping out the cauldron and my former club sporting Kansas city lead some of the chance. So let's just, let's just start there. And I was doing a lot of schmoozing, you know, glad hand and kissing baby. Yeah. I could run for mayor and I think I'd have a pretty good shot of being competitive in the, in the uh, mayoral. You run. ever had okay. your picture on a billboard there or on the side I have. of the bus? Uh, I have, okay. I have, I have, I have, uh, I have had on, been on billboards. When we played against Manchester United. I was on the billboard and I think that, Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes were on the other side. Wow. Was, Jeez, it was, it, they, wow. they needed two of them to go against me. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. But yes, 
Uh, Kansas City's always taken care of me, and it was fun to go back to see them perform. Unfortunately, they lost. LAFC got the win, and, and LAFC, for me, are probably the favorites to win it all. I actually went to dinner with our friend Steve Chirondolo, who said, everybody, that he will come on the podcast whenever we want him. So you just let us know in the comments. Hit call us up right on now, Twitter. Call him right now. Pod. Call, I could call. Call you know him right now. He's training He's right now. He's training, but call him. He probably Tell training. Him just fa- FaceTime him in. FaceTime us for you training. Know? Yeah, can you get can you get Chiellini and Bale to, to come on? One of the things that I thought was interesting, it was fun to hang out with him and just kind of, you know, he wasn't in coach mode and, and I wasn't in whatever fake journalism mode or whatever I am. But we just got to talk and, and, and shoot the shit. It was awesome. And when I asked him questions about and we'll get into his coaching journey, but he just thought working with very similar to what Ben Olsen said about Wayne Rooney last week, that those guys have seen it all. They've been around, you know, high pressure situations. You tell them exactly what they want to do. They're like, no problem, coach, you know, and they go out and execute. Yeah. And, and there's something really satisfying about hearing that and, and how good those guys are professionally. The professionalism is really next level. Another fun fact, Gareth Bale's never had a drink of alcohol in his whole life. I, I just, wow. I just assume every, Everybody, and you know, once you heard a certain straight age, edge. Not, you're not, yeah, super straight edge, straight very edge. in tune with his body. I remember playing with I Eddie. I don't know, Pope. man. Go, straight edge principles are a life in moderation, no extremities of anything. And I know that guy goes to the extreme to play golf, so perhaps he's not, <laughs> uh, you know, but I think it's more vices. But golf could be a vice if you play too much, you know. That's that, yeah, that's true. That's true. So it was really interesting, and and uh, I won't speak for him anymore. We'll get him on the podcast here very soon. But to catch everybody up on on these players, Jordan Peefock scored, which was good to see him. I just want to give you some insight a little bit on Haji Wright. Did you see his goal against Bochum? It was it was pretty sick because he anticipates a, a throw in that goes backwards. He he wins that one, and then he holds off two defenders to score. I actually think that was my favorite goal of the whole thing. It was nice to see Haji Wright. Kind of creating something out of nothing and bearing it. Now they still lost four to two, so it was more about him than anything they did team related. Daryl DK scored. No, but uh, for, but by the way, on, on that on that on that goal, there was just I I think we don't have a lot of goal scorers that you know when I, when we went back to our like qualifying goals, and I remember I gave Team Away some sort of award uh, because of his left footed banger against I think Jamaica where. It's a lot of individual work to create a goal, right? Sometimes with our strikers, you know, when it was second half against Honduras and and Ricardo Pepe gets in in and around the box, you're like, okay, goal score, a goal scores, goal score, right? Like poaching, really good, good timing, finding the right spaces. But when you see somebody create something where they've got to drive with the ball, they've got to create their angle, they've got to beat somebody, muscle somebody off and score a goal. I think those are the things that get me really excited that we have the potential for players to create something that doesn't require seven or eight players for us to score a goal. Do we have moments of magic? We saw Serginho Dess obviously coming out of the back line before um, Christian Pulisic, Pulisic has the ability to do that. How many players do we have that can create goals out of nothing or have individual moments of brilliance that put us into good spots in games? I no, thought I a, agree with I you. I thought that was 100%. amazing, even though it is a... Yeah. No, it's, it's a great goal. And, and I think when they're... Here's, here's one way to look at it, everybody. His team's down 4-1 with like 15 minutes left. He is doing and anticipating and still being alert. I like that part of it. He could, I mean, the whole team could have just like thrown in the towel at that point. Like they're not going to get anything else out of the game, but he found something in the game. He made something happen. And I think that really speaks mm-hmm. to him being switched on and ready to go. I, 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 if you have any chance to see any of these goals from these guys this weekend, watch the Haji Wright one. It was excellent. Now, Daryl DK ball goes out wide for West Brom and he makes a tremendous timing of his run to the near post diving header 
And what I loved about it was that he anticipated it. It wasn't like he reacted. He put himself in a good spot to get there first ahead of the defender. Defender can't do anything if the other guy made his timing right. So I like that. I want to see more of that from DK. And obviously, we want him to stay healthy. Terrence Boyd scored in the second Bundesliga. I know we haven't really talked about him much, but if anybody gets hot at the right time, it's possible. Uh, Brandon Vasquez scored for FC Cincinnati. Uh, you know, really fortuitous. Another one where just... Being alert and aware, ball goes wide. Maybe it's a bit of a miss hit off a corner kick, and he puts himself in a good spot to finish it. He's got 11 goals now in MLS. Jordan Morris, who we've actually talked about maybe being a nine. We might want to consider him there. Makes a good run uh, off the ball. Nice, tidy finish to chip it over uh, William Yarbrough from, from Colorado Rapids. And, uh, and I thought JMO scored another good goal. Jesus Ferrer scored a good team goal, but good. what I liked about this one, another alert one, Heath, where there's good pressure from Dallas, and he puts himself in a position to receive the ball, right? He's thinking about that third person running. Okay, this is all breaking down. How can I be very dangerous to make it happen? He scores a good goal against RSL. That's his 12th goal of the MLS season. We have uh, Ricardo Pepe had an assist this past weekend in a friendly. Josh Sargent started for Norwich. So it's all like coming up roses at the moment, at least for this particular weekend. I know that we have many, many months before the World Cup actually starts. But I'd rather be talking about these types of weekends than, than all of our guys not doing jack crap. You know what I mean? So, so any yeah. any outside of the Haji Wright one, any of the other goals that I know you've seen that that really stood out for you? I mean, for for Daryl DK, that's one where he's just really fallen down what I think is the depth chart for for injury reasons, and and obviously when you watch him, he was always one of these players in the national team that I felt was desperate to score goals, which I think when you're in form, it's great because you 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 are selfish in front of goal and you want somebody that knows when to be selfish. I'd love to see him get back to that level of form of when he was on loan before his, his permanent move to, to, to England and to score goals for him. I think is really important. Anytime you come off, off an injury, because I think he's, you're quickly forgotten in the national team right now because there is depth. Now we're not, we're not blessed with depth in terms of players in, in the best of form or in terms of extraordinary talent just yet. But when you look at the depth charts between Ricardo Pepe, and and Ferreira, as you mentioned, Vasquez could could be someone coming up. Daryl DK, Sabachu, uh, or or Pifok, some of the other. You know, I, I think that we're starting to see at least a pool of players that they know there's not room for all of us at this World Cup, and I'm going to have to have the best six months of my life, which could be to which it will only be to our benefit. So uh, I just think it's a great week, and again, it's a single week, and it's in isolation. I'm not going to overhype but still, anybody, but it's a good sign of oh, things no, to come. No. Of the yeah, hard work of being put in for these these players, man. Of course, and and I think what we're trying to get into everybody is the fact that there are these little things that we're seeing, and I wonder if it's because that's just what they need to do, or if there's something inside of them going. It's kind of now or never. If I'm going to make this World Cup roster, I got to blow up over the next five months. Are they getting insight from Greg Berhalter as to hey, here are some of the things that we're looking at the Haji Wright one in particular, where he does some of that counter pressing, he that has that alertness to maybe sniff something out. That, that maybe Greg is asking him to do, or he knows that that's kind of what Greg's looking for and wants to, to showcase that he's capable of it. So all these little things, I think, are, are very interesting to dissect and, and to get into and to discuss, mm -hmm. of course. If you guys have any thoughts on any of these strikers, hit us up in the comments on YouTube right now or hit us up on Twitter. Drop us a follow there as well. ISWT pod on that social media platform. Now, Heath, I don't know if you heard this or not, but we are a nominee for the best podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards and because we appreciate your support and everything that you do for us, we hope that you'll get us to the final round and hopefully we'll be holding the trophy at the end. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to sports. Find us. And then uh, if you need any help with that, we have the link in the description. The QR code is in the corner on the YouTubes to make that happen. So, 
Here's the next thing that I want to discuss in terms of the, the next layer. I think we're going to run into an issue because every team will okay. at some point where there's going to be some desperation in, in one of the games or multiple games in the World Cup, Heath. And we're going to need somebody who can get on the end of crosses. Somebody that's going to be, he won't be a starter. I think, I think it's clear Greg is looking for a certain type of player to be there. I think Ferreira still feels like the, the, the leader at the moment as the one he's going to start if we had to play tomorrow. But there's some fluidity and, and some adaptability and ability to drop into midfield and combine and create numerical advantages in front of the back four to potentially unlock something in behind for our wingers or whatever it may be. But at some point, we're going to be down a goal and we're going to need some big dude up top that just bangs in headers. So I, I, I'm i just curious as to which one of these guys, because if Daryl DK stays healthy and continues to do this, he's going to be back on the radar in a meaningful way. Uh, PFOC obviously showed it in Switzerland. Now we, can he do it again in the Bundesliga? If he blows up, I think he could be the one despite his miss in Mexico. You're still going to bring one, maybe even two of these guys because we've expanded the roster or the World Cup has expanded the roster from 23 to 26, which I think is, is very cool. And, and uh, I don't think you think it's as cool because you think you maybe would have made the World Cup team back in the day. <laughs> been yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bitter, I'm a bitter old player now. You know, everything <laughs> where I just see salaries come out, I get pissed off. When I see like players thriving, I get pissed off. When I see rosters expanding, I get pissed off. You know, when I see when I see academies close to where I grew up, I get pissed off. Like you know, nothing makes me happy. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm super stoked for all that sort of stuff. But when I look at the 26 roster, of course, I mean, we 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 beat this point to death of of our own cycles, Jimmy, uh, and especially the 2010 one uh, of, of players in top form being called in. Now, top form now of what we expect from our strikers is probably higher than what we expected from Robbie Finley, who was on 10 goals at that point going into a World Cup, right? Um, Hercules Gomez with the golden boot winner in Mexico. Uh, you know, Edson Buttle was in solid form without anybody. When we had had Connor Casey leading up to that point, we had had uh, Brian Ching leading up to that point, other options in the national team uh, that perhaps weren't in the form come World Cup time. So you want to have that pool of players and you want to have that cream rise, but you, with that expanded roster, you might be able to take a flyer on on one or two extras that are in peak form, but don't fit necessarily your style of play. If you go back to Greg's comments about, about John Anthony Brooks, now I don't think he's going to get called in, but when you think about what I think Greg has shown as a sign of players who got their chance. Uh, who was it that he mentioned? Was it PFOC where he got his chance and he was a little disappointed in his performances or like didn't take his chance when, when he got it? Is that who it was that, uh, or was Haji Wright? It was Haji Wright that he was Maybe talking about. Maybe it was Haji Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, he said kind of didn't take their chances. You might be able to now, uh, whether it's Haji Wright or, or PFOC, look at it through through a lens of saying, well, maybe he's got this gut feeling of give him another chance or bring them just in case uh, when he wouldn't have otherwise with the 23-man roster. So mm -hmm. it's a great competition. These players are all aware. They're all reading the same news sites. They're all watching the same games that we are because they're fighting for a place in the World Cup squad and their form is going to dictate uh, whether or not they get in. And, and also perhaps a hunch from Greg Berhalter to say, what do I do with my new with my three new added roster spots? No, it's interesting, and, and producer Des, and, and I think this might be coming from the comments too, and I mentioned it briefly, but PFOC hasn't been called in since he missed that sitter in Mexico. It feels pretty harsh that your whole career is going to be made or or, <laughs> or not made after one play, even though Chris Wondolowski, you know, still probably reminded daily by somebody on social media about his big miss against Belgium in the World Cup in 2014, which I thought was actually a pretty tough one to finish, but okay. 
Uh, we don't need to open up that Pandora's I didn't box. Think, but... I didn't think that was tough to finish, Jimmy. To be honest, I didn't think that was tough to finish for some somebody like Gray, uh, for Wondolowski. But it also ruins my whole, like, when you get that gut feeling throwing that play. Chris Wondolowski wasn't a big part of the national team over his entire career. Well, yeah, no, so that's another guy, right? Could, he was the a guy striker. that got brought in in that closing moment for that gut feeling. You bring him in, and normally he he's automatic anywhere in and around the six and and didn't finish that one. So it hurts my 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 argument a little bit. But in theory, the way that could have played out was exactly why you would want a player that's in top form, situational, circumstantial yeah. to throw yeah. in uh, to a game like that to get you a goal. I, I One more thing to say, because I guess if we have opened this up a little bit, uh, I will. we didn't deserve to beat Belgium. Okay, even if if even if we had won that game, they pumped us in so many different ways, and and it's just funny that we look back on this one specific play. Tim Howard stood on his head, made more world saves in a World Cup game than anybody in history. I think that kind of speaks. That's to, actually a record. That. Yeah, it's actually yeah. A real so record. so it's um, it's if we, we didn't deserve take to game, go through. But. Yeah, if you take the game on the balance, right? If you look back on it, real you know, practically or pragmatically, and and see not just don't even look at the stats, but if you just watch the game, we didn't deserve to win that one. It would have been nice to sneak it out and and move on to the next round. You need a little bit of that in the World mm-hmm. Cup, and whoever does win the World Cup. We'll have one of those games where maybe they didn't deserve to win, but they did enough to to get through. But still, we didn't deserve to win that game. And I don't think everything should be isolated onto Wondolowski's miss. I I think that yeah. when Thibaut Courtois Wondolowski was and that I game, had the same amount of uh, caps. By the way, I just looked at his Wikipedia. We finished on the same amount of caps. He had more goals than me. So, um, but how many uh, caps did you have? There was a window of time. Thirty-five. Oh, at twenty-seven. Damn. Do you ever wish that? Yeah. Like, I would love to be able to give a cap away to somebody. That's just another conversation, but like you know, go, you know, donate a cap, give a cap to somebody that uh, give a cap to somebody. Who would, wait, wait, give let's sidebar, let's sidebar, let's sidebar. <laughs> Who would you give a cap to? Who are you thinking about? There's somebody clearly in your mind. I'm, I'm th- no, there's not somebody clearly in my mind. It was actually a friend of mine that always said that I, I gave him two caps and he had two caps for the national team. Was like his argument of being my friend was that like you know between the two of us we had 35 caps because I gave him a couple. <laughs> but I'm thinking about like uh, and actually a big good topic of conversation. So we'll sidebar it for now. But okay, think about right. somebody who was never capped at the national team that you think deserved a shot. Because I was actually in Salinas, California this weekend. And um, Monterey Bay has, has a team there. Frankie Yallop is, is yeah, running yeah. the club. And Ramiro Corrales is uh-huh. from Salinas and is working with the club as an assistant coach for Monterey Bay. And, and the guy who was running the facilities that we were at was talking to me. And he couldn't remember. And I was like, oh, you mean Ramiro Corrales? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I remember specifically Ramiro Corrales, when he got called in under Bob at the same time as me, hadn't been in the national team for a decade. He got his first cap in like, I think it was the 90s and then hadn't gotten (laughs) called in again until 2004 and then 2008. So he had this like 15 year national team (laughs) career, but like eight year gaps in between. And I was thinking about that of like somebody who kind of found their way back in after going really young into the national team. And then in the peak of their career, and then at the end of their career, got got called in, which I thought was really unique when I looked at his because I remember that and I looked it up and it was true of just like is there players out there that um, that uh, didn't get capped that should have gotten capped, and if you could give one away, who would you give it to, Jimmy? We we we'll, we'll save that for another time, but we should because we I, enough, I, if, if the show gets big enough, I'll hand out caps to all kinds of our fans. You know what I mean? I'll hand off one 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 a month. You know, they can have one of my honorary one caps. Of one of my Wikipedia. One, they can I'll, have one of my I'll, one of my four games against Guatemala. They can have one of those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll I'll give <laughs> I'll give one away a month, Jimmy, and I'll write it into Wikipedia and I'll screenshot it so they can post it before Wikipedia fixes it. 
that uh you know, on this date, I gave away a cap to to one of our fans. That'll well, be a good maybe time, it should but, be uh, one of our subscribers. So, you know, if you want to be the envy of all your friends by winning the U.S. men's national team cap, courtesy of our very own Hollywood Heath Pierce, make sure you hit like and subscribe. We should enter. make hats that are so one cap. One cap wonders. One cap wonders. Exactly. Yeah. We need that one cap wonders. <laughs> wow. That's I'm, I'm racking my brain as to. What it is because sometimes you go into camps, especially January camps, and, and you see guys elevate their game to playing with the national team, and then you see guys drop off. And I'm just trying to remember who I thought maybe got a raw deal. I, I have to I'll have to put some time into that. And obviously, we want Chuck's insight as well. Uh so so there are some some people that are throwing out some names of of, of players we haven't suggested yet. Matthew Hoppy, mm-hmm. we have Josie Altador. Uh, one I would throw out there is Jeremy Abobasi, who's got 11 goals and one assist for an Earthquakes team that look, they create chances, but, you know, they don't necessarily, they feel pretty loose on both sides of the ball, the Quakes. Uh, maybe that's just a remnant of Matias Almeida and his style, and, and now they're trying to regain who they are or f- find a new identity. But abobasi has been pretty solid for them. I think he scored 32% of their goals, which is, is pretty significant, a pretty high rate, and a lot goes for him. And when you have that type of responsibility on your shoulders as a player that if I don't play well today, my team is probably going to lose, I think that helps you become more well-rounded and you start to think about different ways to have impacts within the team. You know, in some ways, I'd like to see his assist be a little bit higher if I'm if I'm nitpicking the guy. But goals are goals are goals are goals, and goals help you win games. Any names out there for you, if we kind of take the sidebar we were talking about of players that maybe we aren't talking about and should insert them into the conversation, and this goes for everybody listening and watching, who do you think we're missing out on? Who do you think could be a sneaky surprise to, to get on this roster if they go on a good run? Is just the Altador a, a real one, or are we just is it just for laughs? Are people just have given us giving us a hard time in the comments, Heath? You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, Josie had... He doesn't play Josie, for, these for are, New England, though. Yeah, uh, of course not, but like... He was our generate like, and I, I'm just thinking more of the fact that like Josie, in theory, had he been pushed by this crop of players, I think would have been a better player to be to have to compete in a, in a way that he wasn't because he was our only guy for a decade, and there was nobody else. Yeah, we had um, Josh Zardes at at points who got well over I think 50, 60 caps. We had other players come in, but Josie was the guy that was like Josie's fit and healthy. Josie's playing for a decade, you know. Um, Josie wait, 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 wait. Time out. Jossie Zardes has 50 or 60 caps. For sure. For sure. Let's see. Hold, hold on. Jossie. 67 Zardes. caps. Yeah, what dude. The... This guy's well on Jossie's his way to a 60... century club. Goal. Jossie's yeah. got 67 caps, 14 goals. Holy, that's a lot of caps, dude. I did not. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess Zardes should be on the list then. 67 caps. I, that is a lot. I didn't realize he played for us that many times. That's that's. I mean, that's cool. I'm, I think I'm he. For I think he got. I think he got quite a bit under uh, under Greg. Got quite a bit under Bruce. I mean, 19, Bruce, he had nineteen uh, caps. And, uh, his, nineteen caps and three goals in 2015 alone. We yeah. had we had nineteen national team games in 2015. That's what's crazy. I in 2008, I had the most caps of 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 anyone in the national team. I played every game in 2008. And I think it was nine. Yeah, right. Which there wasn't that many games. So when you think about, I, and I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the like, well, back, you know, what's his name? When I'm no, trying do to it, think do of, it. Uh, <laughs> back uh, in my not, day. Uh, yeah, not uh, uh, John Harks. I remember listening to a broadcast with John Harks, and they're like, John, you almost got to 100 caps. He's like, yeah, but you know, 
back in my day, you only played like six or seven games a year. So to get to a hundred, you needed to play for well over a, a I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not yeah, going to make that, that, that a point because it is sure, cyclical, sure. right? When you wouldn't, you wouldn't have brought it up otherwise, but okay. 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 Sure. Well, no, but like, had I, if I, if I was Johnny Bornstein who played gold cup and then played Copa America, if you went on a run in both of those tournaments, you're talking about seven games. And then you're talking about another seven games or at least six games in Copa America. That would be, or even the, the, the year after, had I played uh, the five games in Confederations Cup and then go into a Gold Cup that's six or seven games, quarterfinals, semifinals, uh, I guess that would be six games. You'd be talking about one, two, three, four, five, plus another six. It's 11 just in those alone outside of the other matches you've played. So there are those years where there are those summer tournaments that you can rack up caps and you rack up, you know, mm-hmm, well, hopefully mm-hmm. bonuses if you're getting results, but like you can get a big window of, of caps if you're playing back to back. Very few players do back to back, but, um, you know, some got to play in, in, in those types of things. So you can get a lot of caps in a year. And Jossie's art is obviously during some of those windows, um, got quite a bit of quite a quite a bit of caps and, and deservedly. So he, he had some great performances for the national team throughout the years. No question. I don't want to take anything away from that. I just was surprised that he racked up 67 caps, scored 14 goals. I, I, we don't need to make this about the Jossie Zardes show, but Joss Sargent, how about, how, yeah, go ahead. Finish that thought. No, no, we'll but, but, but well, he, his first ever goal for the national team was, I believe under Jurgen Klinsmann, we played the Netherlands. It was, uh, he made it one, one. We ended up beating them four, three in a friendly. Then he scored against Cuba, St. Vincent and Grenadines, Bolivia, Ecuador in the Copa America Centenario, Ecuador again in a friendly Guyana, Trinidad, Canada twice in the nation's league, uh, Martinique and Qatar in the last gold cup. I mean, outside of the Netherlands, it's not like he was out there banging him against uh, some of the big boys out there. But um, what he's got an interesting career, Jossie Zardes. Anyway, you said Josh Sargent. How many caps does that guy have? Are we? Are, how many are you guessing? Josh Sargent. I'm guessing around twenty, maybe more. Twenty. He has nineteen. Oh wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> He's I, on our I heels, don't even know dude. why I came he's up with that number. Heels. Yeah, he's, he's on our well, heels. He's you know, heels. it's funny. I was I was talking. I I, I shot with, and we, um, we've completely gone off the rails with this conversation. But like, well, that's what um, we do. I was talking to Sebastian Lejet. Otherwise, why would you? Why would you watch why, or listen? Uh, if, yes. if we just followed the unpredictability you know, follow, is why you're here. Follow the run of show. Yeah. The, <laughs> the the I was I was I was filming something with Sebastian Lejet, and I was like, hey man. Uh, I need you to not pass me in caps, you know, because you know I'm working on the other side of of things now and I've selected you and I'm paying you a good amount of money to show up for a couple of hours uh, when mm-hmm, I could have mm-hmm. picked somebody else. So I need you to not pass me in caps. It would mean a lot. And I said it as a joke, <laughs> but now he's on 33. I'm on 35. And now I, 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 and I, and I know I said the same thing to Ariola too, who I think may have passed me now, but Sebastian yeah, Lejet, uh was, was one where I think he passed me this last year, but Sebastian Lejet unfortunately hasn't passed me and I'm not sure that he will now so I might I might be able to hold my ground um, now that he's kind of found himself out of out of the national team. And Sebastian Jet obviously been through so much um, personal stuff over the last year that I think's had a real effect on 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 him and his family and things like that. But but um, I made the joke of it, and that one might turn out. Whereas Paul Ariola just blew past me with a couple wins, and he'll probably get to get to fifty as well. Yeah, that's that's funny. You say that to those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, but I mean it, Jimmy. I, yeah, know, no, like I, I said, it. I'm a better, I'm yeah. a bitter old man. Like you passed me, and we can't be friends anymore. No, that's um, been clear. You, you let's said, talk about let's talk about Josh Sargent a little bit. Um, okay, him being not, you know, there's some chatter about him not being deployed as a number nine. And last year we saw because of Timo Puki, he 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 would sort of be either a second forward or he'd be in the wings. I mean, do you think that there is a place in our national teams for a winger? I feel like there's depth in, in in our wings, but he's a little bit 
dynamic of, of, of a player in terms of what he could bring uh, in terms of saying, do you, this is a national team pool player. He could contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Like 19 caps, five goals in those 19 caps. And when he played number nine, maybe he wasn't as influential. And I think getting the experience of playing with Norwich at that level in the premier league, even though they're basically chasing the game and probably having only 25 to 30% possession in most of those games, where he probably felt pretty isolated when he got the ball. When you're defending that much, it's hard to really, let's say, join the attack with numbers, right? You're probably really just attacking with three or four guys because you don't want to get punished going the other way when the other teams win it. I think he learned a lot from that. I'm curious to see how he's going to perform in the championship. I know that there's going to be obvious people out there saying, well, it's not the Premier League and it's not the Bundesliga and blah, 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 blah. But I think that the championship is one of the hardest leagues in the world. Now, you've discussed it and said it's just because it's more physical and all that stuff. That's great. He's going to learn how to become a better player in different ways that I think will ultimately shape his game. And then he can make a decision after this season to see where he wants to go, what his next step is in his evolution as a pro. Oh, but wait, Jimmy, that, that type of player is still a national team player. Like somebody that comes from the championship and scraps and fights and knows how to be impactful and play in a different way. Like think about your national team career. Right, and I know we write off Josh Sargent because it's, he's not as sexy of a player as Jesus Ferreira or or Ricardo Pepe or those types of things. But when you think about your national team career, and I think about mine, there was a number of players that weren't. You know, I think about Brian Ching. Brian Ching was not like super technical, fast, powerful, sexy in the way that we want a striker to be. But he was damn hard to play against, and yes. he was a big body, physical, knew how to use his body, knew how to play the game within his means. And it was still a national team quality player that was impactful, very impactful at times. Um, Connor Casey, same thing. Like, just there's a whole wide range of what an attacking player looks like that can still fit within the national team. Maybe not within the system that Greg wants necessarily, but I still think that they could be hugely impactful, even if they, you know, they could still be apples to oranges of our other profiles of strikers and be successful. No, no, that's great insight. I would say that I'm going to lean on a story that I had. And I think it, it ties into this a little bit. And, and I don't know if it helps Josh Sargent, but I want to get your opinion and then everybody else that's listening or watching at some point. But I became a friend. He, he runs the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana. And before he did that, he was a scout for Manchester United for five years in all of Africa. And Sir Alex Ferguson said to him, all I want you to do is to find me the next Samuel Eto'o or Didier Drogba. Okay? If, 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 if I want to go find hardworking players... This is Sir Alex Ferguson. I'll go to Scotland, you know, or, or Ireland, or I'll go look in England for, for the, I, I can find those ones, but, but I don't need to look for that. I'm, I'm looking for the luxury player. Five years, this guy scoured Africa for the next Eto and Drogba and couldn't find that player. And he never signed one player for Manchester United, which is, and they, and Sir Alex Ferguson, thank you so much for your time. And within all that, just to give a little sidebar on that, because of his network that he built up, he ended up starting this right to dream Academy, which has actually provided Ghana with some tremendous national team players, and it's an incredible academy. Wait, now, is this Tom I say Byrne? this. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, yeah, I know Tom. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, okay. I completely forgot about his origin story of uh, before he had launched this thing, and which yes. is now expanding into the U.S. at some point in Baltimore with the Mansour family of Egypt. But I forgot that that was the origin story yeah. of what took him there, um, what he's built. That's unbelievable to bring that up. Yeah, isn't it crazy? So I bring that up because when Sir Alex Ferguson's saying, I know where to go get my hardworking, scrappy players. I don't need them in that area or from that area of the world. I almost feel like when Greg Berhalter is looking for his hardworking, scrappy players, he's going to just, I, I can go to MLS, just very similar to Sir Alex Ferguson. I can just look domestically to find that. So, so as much as Josh, Sar for me, for Josh Sargent to now break back into the team, 
I think he's going to have to beat out, much to the chagrin of all, all the MLS haters, that like the Paul Ariolas, who is having a tremendous season for FC Dallas, who does play for Greg Berhalter's former assistant, Nico Estevez, at, at FC Dallas. Right. And obviously, there's going to be conversations between those two guys about, hey, how's Ferrer looking? How's Ariola looking? You know, I mean, that's just a natural thing. When you have built a trust on a coaching staff, you're going to stay in touch with those guys to see not only how FC Dallas players are playing, but like maybe FC Dallas is playing against a Jordan Morris or Seattle Sounders. And oh, how did, how did, how did Roldan and, and Jordan Morris look? I mean, there's just a different type of relationship that you can get, different type of information you can get than trying to go hit up Dean Smith at Norwich and be like, yo, how's Josh? You know, it's just different. So, I just think that Josh Sargent has to put up numbers to break back in. And if he's not, I think that Greg Berhalter, again, similar to Sir Alex, is going to go look domestically to find those scrappers that he trusts, that that know his system, and that guys he can lean on. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But I'm kind of curious what everybody thinks about this particular thing and, and relying on MLS. I was one of those scrappy MLS players that uh, – I think I balanced the team a little bit. You didn't need me to be Claudio Reyna. We had Claudio Reyna. You didn't need me to be you or, or Steve Cherundolo. We had those players. I just had to come in and organize and do everything I possibly could to make the game easier for the guys around me. And, and that's what I did. So I think there's there's room for, for scrappiness. But to your point, you still have to have some of your luxury players out there pulling the strings and making the ultimate plays happen. Unless you want the scrappy guys to score goals against Mexico like this guy. Roll the clip. Okay, we don't have a clip to roll. So, Heath, anybody mm-hmm. listening, ISWT pod, hit us up on Twitter or watching. Who would be your strikers at this point? Heath, let's just pivot into that, and, and we can continue the Josh Sargent conversation within that if you'd like. But who are your strikers yeah. now? Who, who do you think are locks? And given how we're seeing some of the players perform after a pretty exciting weekend, who do you maybe one or two of these guys you think will sneak onto the roster? I think we're going to see Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira. I think okay. uh, for sure as like, like, like out and locked. out number nines. They're only as number yeah, nines. Yeah, out and right. out number nines. Okay. I think Jordan Pifok will make the World Cup squad. I do think that. Um, I don't think Haji Wright will. Didn't feel like it, he could have a transformational next couple of months as well, but it just felt like there was something off about him in terms of his. I don't know, body language, uh, things like that. But I, I think he could be, uh, he's got a chance. I mean, really, you've got the ability to bring four, maybe five. And once I go past PFOC, it's really just like you've got Daryl DK, you've got, um, again, Hachi Wright, you've got Josh Sargent. And so you, you can bring four or five in this team and maybe you opt to bring more midfielders or maybe you're going a little deeper so that Jordan Morris and Paul Areola are more your locks for depth and on your wing positions instead of just a Brennan Aronson or a, or a team away. It gives you a little bit of a different way to play in a uh, single striker with higher in a 4-3-3, a 4-4-2, those types of things. I don't think we'll play 4-4-2, but um, maybe we're playing with a back five and you can you know kind of move players around with with attacking players but um it's i don't know jimmy who who do you who do you i mean how many how many are you taking with 26 players four four strikers the, the thing the thing with pfock haji Wright, and daryl dk they they feel like they i mean the one goal that we see today haji writes or this past weekend was a little bit more dynamic the other two were getting mm-hmm. in, in the box getting into tough spots in the box and finishing off plays we need all of that now I think some of that will be situational. And I think if I'm Greg and the staff, I, I agree with you. I think Pepe ends up going unless he com- continues to fall off a cliff. But I think with his current situation with a coach that's coming in that likes to play young players, is coming from the Borussia Dortmund uh, Academy system and and uh, as well regarded as a coach. And because they got they moved some players, Grigorich, to, to another team, I think it's going to ru- leave some room for Pepe to kind of grow into the position. That's all good news. 
So, so I think Pepe and Jesus will go, Ferreira. And, and then, like somebody said, I think Alexa said, then it's like whoever's the hot hand. I think the hot hand is going to be saved for the fourth spot. I think there is room for that fourth spot, unless Greg's looking at it from a false nine where you just put all of your all of your guys on at once. You got Gio Reyna, you got Brendan Aronson, you got Timo Weah, you got Christian Pulisic, and you four guys just be a little bit chaotic in your movements. Stay connected, of course. Try to make sure you're, you're not too far away from each other as we transition, but but just pop up in different spots. So there could be something like that that could work against. I, maybe Timo Weah is our number four at that position if we needed it because he's done that with Lille I mean, and there is some familiarity By the way, there. DK might be... Uh, Greg seemed I, to ha- like DK on some level, more so than I think he's shown respect in terms of his his love for PFOC or, or, or um, Haji Wright. Just seems like he liked DK yeah. when DK was in form. Um, I don't know if DK's ever ever like actually earned that spot, but it seems like Greg has something for him on some level, even though he didn't bring him in um, most recently. Yeah, so DK for me is a is a health concern, and then, then just consistency. I mean, when he was at Barnsley and he had that run, when he scored like eight goals and I don't know how many games, but he scored a lot of, and he just kept showing up and making plays happen in big moments and helping Barnsley get points and and uh he's got to do that for West Brom as well and if he does that then I maybe say I agree with you maybe DK does have that edge because Greg has trusted him in the past whereas Greg's given shots to PFOC and Haji Wright and maybe they haven't taken it with both hands but if Haji Wright keeps scoring goals like he did against Bochum this past weekend I think it's going to be really hard to not look at him in a really meaningful way and then for the MLS right. guys you have Vasquez who I, I do like Vasquez he's strong he's a big guy and he's He's, when he gets on the ball for FC Cincinnati this season, we should get Pat Noonan on as well. If we're going to get Trundle on, we should get Pat Noonan on because he's uh, turned that around in, in some ways, FC Cincinnati. And really, they just are fun to watch. And um, I would like to get some insight from him on whether he thinks Brandon Vasquez has got the goods to make that happen. So that's another another guest to have on the list. I, I, I think that DK has to do a couple things right for a long period of time and be healthy to be considered I actually will give the slight edge right now to Haji Wright. If you said, well, if it starts tomorrow, who am I going to go with? I would say Haji Wright would be that player. And I also want to throw in there that Christian Pulisic is really good friends with Haji Wright. And I do think that makes a difference when you're around players that your star players are comfortable with. <laughs> Just like Brian Ching was with yeah. Landon Donovan when Chingy and Taylor Twelman were going after it. All right, everybody, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we got a couple big games in the U.S. Open Cup semifinals happening on Wednesday. We're going to break those down and uh, give you our predictions of who we think is going to win the oldest trophy in the sport in this country. Don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad. That's my nickname here on the show. I prefer Conrad Dino or El Guapo. And I'm here with Hollywood Heath Pierce because Charlie Chuckwagon Davies is on his super yacht in the Pacific Ocean. And maybe he didn't have enough mahogany on the ship to really like step up in front of the camera and talk with us today because he is our resident number nine. I will say, though, Heath, it's kind of cool not to have Charlie here because he, Charlie would just be like, listen, I know what I'm doing. I'm the number nine here on the show. And now us defenders, mm-hmm. us lowly defenders actually get to chime in on who we think has the goods. All right. For those that are not watching on YouTube, then you missed a promo for the incredible Brianna Scurry documentary. So make sure you stream the only now on Paramount Plus. It is very, very impactful. And and what an incredible story she's had. What an incredible career. And I feel like she probably doesn't get the respect she deserves. And I think your opinion on her and what she's done for the game in this country will change. So make sure, again, you stream it on Paramount Plus called The Only. All right, Heath, let's talk a little U.S. Open Cup because my sporting Kansas City, who I had the chance, I was in Minneapolis, saw them play against Minnesota United. It was a 1-1 draw. Then I saw them lose against LAFC 2-0. I don't know if I'm jinxing these guys right now or what. But I will be in Sacramento for the game against the Sac Republic. Sac Republic are the only non-MLS team left in this competition. And they've got some work to do. However, they have taken a couple MLS scalps along the way. It looks like Hollywood Heath Pierce has dropped off. So it's just me right now, everybody. So keep those questions coming for me in the comments. But this Sacramento team for everybody that doesn't know, was on the precipice or got named as as the next MLS team to join the market. Their investor pulled out, decided to go invest in NWSL in San Diego and is now the owner of the San Diego Wave. But he left Sacramento high and dry and MLS has since backed out of giving Sacramento that MLS spot. And it looks like it might go to Las Vegas instead. Sacramento's got a massive chip on their shoulder. And we had their team president, Todd Donovan, and one of my former teammates with the national team and Heath as well. Welcome back, Heath. Thank you. On the show, to talk about it a little bit, they're playing at home, and Sac Republic are going to have a rabid crowd, and I'm looking forward to getting into that environment. Sporting Kansas City for this first semifinal, then we'll get into Orlando City taking on the New York Red Bulls. Sporting Kansas City are the worst team in MLS. They've only won five out of 23 games, which is unacceptable for a team that's coached by Peter Vermes and given the type of talent that they do have. And I know they've had some significant injuries to Alan Polito, their DP number nine, the Mexican international being the most significant. They've had a really tough time scoring goals. I, in some weird way, I kind of give Sac Republic who actually haven't won a game since June and, and are haven't scored in their last two games, a little bit of the edge because of the intangibles, because they're hosting this game. Had this game been in Kansas city who came off beating union Omaha, who's a third division team six, zero coming into this one. I actually give Sac Republic a little bit of the edge, and I'm sure Todd would prefer if we called them the underdogs here, Heath. But yeah. Sporting have just not been playing that well, and I think their their lack of they're just not very dynamic in attack. And what I'll say very quickly about Kansas City is that the games that I've watched, if you're not that dynamic in attack and you're not creating meaningful chances, or when you do, you miss them and you're not taking them, it forces your team to have to be perfect defensively. And Kansas City isn't good enough to be perfect defensively, and that's shown throughout the season. Yeah, I fully agree. And it's just a form thing, right? And like like we talked about when Todd was on or after he had gotten off on that last episode, that 
it's really easy to create the storyline from like a romanticism standpoint of like, this is the turnaround moment for, for SKC. But when you've compounded loss after loss and you're coming off another loss to at home against, against um, uh, LAFC, it's really hard to just flip that switch on. And very rarely is it the switch. Sometimes you see it like take LAFC for an example. You sort of come up with that romantic storyline with them because of the star power that they had last year. They missed out on the playoffs, but you're always just like, this could be the game. They've got one less game. They need to win out. This is like this is the team that's capable of flipping that switch and winning out to make the playoffs. They ultimately didn't do that, but that's where you use those storylines. I think with SKC, it's a, a you know Sporting Kansas City, it's a little bit harder. And then you take that momentum that Sacramento have, and yes, Sacramento haven't been fantastic in the league um, as well. They are still going to be a sellout crowd. They are making history. They're trying to build their history despite despite the setbacks of what they've had from an ownership group of not having. Um, the financial backing to be able to get into Major League Soccer. I remember being at the MLS office, actually, the day Sacramento went there and they had fans outside of the office. So they announced this team and 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 talked about this team being one that could be the next MLS team. And and then having these setbacks. If you're a player within that, you're yes, you're you're comfortable playing in USL. Yes, you want to be one of the USL giants like they are, but you also want to your exposure to go beyond that. And I think this is a huge opportunity when you mix the quality of staff, the quality of players that they have. The, the mo- momentum that they have, the, the occasion in itself that it's a sellout crowd in Sacramento. I think it's going to be really tough for Sporting Kansas City to go there, flip that switch, uh, the proverbial switch, and, and get a result. I think uh, uh, Sacramento win this one for sure. Okay, I like that. I think that I'll give Sacramento the edge. I don't know if they're going to do it in 90 minutes, if it's going to take them extra time or if it's going to be penalties, but I think that Sacramento are just going to make the plays that are necessary. And I, and I say that because Sacramento are coming off beating the LA Galaxy on the road. That was their first game away from home in the competition, and they went down to a tough place. And, and, and I think the Galaxy were going for it. They were trying to win that game, and Sac Republic just made the plays that made the difference, and I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence coming into this. Now, Sacramento are also the first non-MLS team to make the semifinals since FC Cincinnati did it when, when they were in the USL in 2017. Also, if Sac Republic do get to the final, they'll be the first non-MLS team to be in the final since 2008. That would be very significant for a team that I think is pissed that they didn't get this MLS thing. They want to prove that they can hang with the big boys, and this is going to be the best competition to make that happen. Also, if you don't know, if you win the U.S. Open Cup, you get an automatic berth into the CONCACAF Champions League, and I think that's something to take note of. On Sporting Kansas City's thing, I know we talked a little, little bit more heavy on, on Sac Republic, but their season's done. I mean, they're not making the playoffs. So this is kind of a now or never. They have the same type of desperation in some ways as Sacramento because this is their best chance to get a CONCACAF Champions League spot, to feel good about some part of their season. And if they win, if they win this game and then go on to win the final, they'll be the first MLS team in Open Cup history to win five trophies. And I'm sure that Peter Vermes and the club and the players, that's what they're talking about. And that's what they're aiming for, to try to get something to salvage this part of the season. So it's just going to be a great game. I'm going to be there. Keith, you should come up there with it with me because you're not too far from Modesto. Well, I was planning on I was planning on going, but it turns out like where my parents live, which is about two hours from Sacramento up in the mountains, there's fires right now. And so the air quality is really bad. So I don't think I'm gonna be able to get up there and stay yeah. Yeah, uh, and bring the bring the kids with me. We were planning on 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 being up there for the week, and you guys would have seen my dad's beautiful like uh backdrop of books uh would have been my backdrop but it looks like it may not happen which is un- unfortunate but um you'll have to I, I mean i'll follow i'll be following along obviously watching the game but also on your socials jimmy so i can't wait to see the atmosphere that they 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 um 
they bring to this game. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to get there early and and uh, have some fun social media as well. But uh, just to be there will be good. So, yeah, make sure you follow me on social at Jimmy Conrad on most platforms. Now, on the other semifinals, Orlando City taking on the New York Red Bulls. Red Bulls are coming off a pretty significant win in Austin FC where they played a lot of the young players and were up 4-1 at one point. Now, Andrew Tarble, the backup goalkeeper, because Brad Stuver has COVID, didn't uh, shower himself with glory after letting a goal, ball, ball go through his hands uh, to kind of give this young team some confidence that they could run with this Austin FC team. But they were all over him from the start. It was a really impressive performance. It ended up 4-3, so fair play to Austin for kind of making it a game there at the end. But the Red Bulls were were fantastic and that the future of that club is very bright. And, and I'm excited about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll spend some time on the Red Bulls at, on a later show. But they're coming in with confidence. And I think that's going to be good. Orlando City, on the flip side, just lost to the Philadelphia Union 1-0 at home. And they're having trouble scoring goals. They they have scored less goals than they've played games in MLS. And it's just not... They're another team that I think isn't very dynamic or doesn't have that unpredictability in their attack that that I think puts fear into other teams. And I think if the Red Bulls, who... I mean, they just press and press and press and press. And they were so tired at the end of that Austin FC game that Austin FC scored two goals in the last 15 minutes. And I think it kind of showed that they got to figure out a way. They can't go 100 miles an hour all the time. And that's where that maturity and evolution, not only of the coaching staff, but of the players of when to go and when to stay. Some of the hardest things to teach, both, both individually and collectively as a coach. But I like the Red Bulls in this one. I know that they're going to be up for it. Neither one of these clubs has ever won the Open Cup trophy before. So you can see there's going to be hunger. One of them's going to get to the final. And so I like the Red Bulls. I just don't know. Orlando has found some magic in the cup, and it's a one-off competition, so I don't want to count them out. And I am a big fan of their, their coach, Oscar Perea. But there's just something about this Red Bulls team that I, that I like, and I think that uh, they're going to make more plays than Orlando will. Yeah, the question is which which. Orlando is going to show up. If you look at their sort of form guide throughout the year, it's kind of like, and, and again, this is a competition. It's different than the league, but it's kind of like loss, tie, win, loss, loss, tie, tie, win, loss. You know, it's kind of this kind of just kind of pulsing heartbeat of ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs that we haven't really seen when Orlando's good. They can be very good, uh, but they haven't been able to find that consistently. And I think that's the mark of, especially Major League Soccer, a mark of a good team. One's that and you still have they still have time into the end of the year where you kind of want to hit that stride going into the playoffs anyway if if if, mm-hmm. if you're heading that direction but they haven't really found that like two wins in a row three wins in a row four wins or unbeaten in four or five and they're heading into this game against a, against a, a Red Bull side that are hungry and have a style of play that's difficult to play against and if you're not in good form and know how to break that down or you have that foundation of your team that's trusted and relied upon I, I think this plays very much into 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 Red Bull stands, even though it is uh, in Orlando, correct? I believe this game's in Orlando. It is. It's in Orlando. Orlando's hosted every single game so far in their Open Cup run, so they haven't played away. But I do want to say the Red Bulls have been very good in MLS in particular. They've won eight games away from home in MLS, so I think that speaks to it. Also, I should mention the Red Bulls did get to the final of the Open Cup in 2017 where they lost to Kansas City 2-1. to There's only two holdovers from that New York Red Bulls team in 2017 that continue to play now, which is Aaron Long, who's the captain of the Red Bulls, and backup goalkeeper Ryan Mira. So those two in particular are probably looking for a little bit of redemption. They're going to have some work to do because Alexander Pato has been good. He he If, if he's on, then he can do things by himself. And then you have uh, Gaiesi in goal for Orlando, who was the hero against Nashville SC in the previous round. Uh, he stepped up in penalties as well. That guy is an unbelievable goalkeeper. And if he's having that type of game that we've seen from him, not just once or twice, but like countless times, and he's standing on his head, keeping his team in it, 
That's why I can't completely count out Orlando, especially because they're hosting the game, especially because what's on the line. They're also falling into this. Maybe this is our best chance to win a trophy this season because it doesn't look like we're going to win MLS Cup because they've been a little uneven so far in that competition two-thirds of the way through. But there's something about this Red Bulls team that I really like. Now, somebody did say in the comments, Red Bulls never win anything of consequence when it counts. They, uh, they're they kind of the nearly team. You played for the Red Bulls. Heath, is that something that's talked about at the club that we've been so I mean there's been a supporter shield in there when you know trophy in there. I don't want to just Yeah, there's a couple guy. there's a couple supporter shields in there. I, I get and, that, and but, really I, but, but, teams, but yes, and, and teams that probably deserve more respect than they they got. But it never led to an open cup trophy or an MLS cup trophy. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing in even CONCACAF Champions League against against uh New York and then putting out their C squad against us when I was playing with Montreal mm-hmm. um, uh, one year. And, and I just remember thinking like, wow, this is a complete lack of respect for this. And they were knocked out. And then when I think about Sporter Shield, it is an unbelievable thing to go an entire season and finish top of points, top of the standings. But it's like anything. We talk about this a lot with the national team, right? Playing in a group stage, playing in a knockout round, playing in consequences is a different, especially domestically, because you're having to balance your rosters and who do you play? How do you save your team? You have your domestic campaign. There's a lot that goes into it, but they haven't been able to do that in MLS Cup. They haven't been able to do that uh, with, with, with regard to this. This could be a big, I think it's a big, big moment for the club uh, to take serious. They're obviously in solid form in the league right now, and I think third in the Western Conference, but this could be another thing that, that you know, they're one game away from a final, which is a huge propel. Uh, it could be a, a propeller to, towards the end of their season and really make it something that goes from being like, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the season when they were saying there were multiple players off of being a good team or being competitive to now being very competitive, they could be on their way to 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 uh, potential playoff run, but also, you know, finishing the season with a trophy. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a great game. So this game happens uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Orlando City hosting New York Red Bulls on Wednesday. Find that game on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken. And then at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, it'll be Sac Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City, my former club. I'll be there. So if you want to know what it's like, hit me up on the socials, and I'll be doing all my on-the-ground type stuff. I'm working on getting my credential, getting a little special special privileges from Mr. Todd Donovan, and I appreciate you, Todd, for that. Now let's pivot very quickly before we end the show to the Canadian Championship because there's another CONCACAF Champions League berth on the line as the Vancouver Whitecaps take on Toronto FC. Now Vancouver... Played and lost at home to the Chicago Fire this past weekend. And their coach came out and said that was the worst we've played all season. Maybe he was juggling the lineup because he knows that this is a big one. Vancouver has a chance to win a trophy for the first time in a long time. Toronto FC, though, maybe the best 45 minutes they've played all season. They took on Charlotte FC, who haven't been very good at home. So I guess that's a caveat. They're an expansion team. Good at home, not so good away from home, which sounds about right for an expansion team. And they were up 4-0. At halftime, Toronto, Michael Bradley scored an absolute uh, banger of a goal where nice interplay through midfield and, and delicately chips over the goalkeeper to make it mm-hmm. 4-0, really the cherry on top. Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Insigne both played 45 minutes and didn't have to play anymore because they were in complete control of the game, which makes them nice and well-rested. They look like a nice, well-oiled machine. I don't know if this Vancouver team is good enough to slow down that type of attack if, if Insigne and Bernadeschi both play, Heath. But I'm still not completely sold on that back line for Toronto. I think there's mistakes that can be taken advantage of. I think that Julian Gressel, I assume he's just going to pop in now from DC United and, and play in this game. He's, he's uh, been a very good MLS player for a long time on the right side. You got Ryan Gold, who's been playing well. You got uh, you got guys that can that can make plays for Vancouver, but I also worry about them making the mistakes. It's almost like whoever's going to win this one 
is going to be the team that makes less mistakes, which is kind of a cliche, I suppose. But when these two teams last played, it was a 1-0 win that Vancouver scored in the 90th minute. There was a contentious like penalty call or all types of crazy stuff that you'd expect from, from Canadian rivalry. Do you have any... I got Toronto, Bob Bradley, figuring out a way to win here in the final, but I don't want to sleep on Vancouver completely. I will, t- I will tell you this. There is a... The Canadian Championship was the biggest game that I played while I was in in Montreal. Interesting. It was it was bigger. I mean, of course the team after I left went on to the to the Champions League final, but for me, the the magnitude when Joey Saputo came into the locker room as the owner of of Montreal, you knew this was a big deal. When Joey Saputo was getting into an argument with the coach of the other team when we got through mm-hmm. against Edmonton on a penalty in the last minute that that I that I was the one that ended up drawing. Um here we go. We would have been we would have been knocked out. And but it it was it, it was weird because you would expect, you know, Saturday night is hockey night in Canada and every yeah. you know hockey is the sport and you don't expect to have it. And we had some fantastic fans. Toronto FC has some unbelievable supporters group, Montreal has some unbelievable supporters group, Vancouver do as well. But you don't think about it the magnitude of of a of a domestic comp competition until you see and the, and you're playing in it, you realize how prideful all these cities are uh in terms of of these things. So I will say this, the Canadian championship is a far bigger deal. One, because it's an entry point in the champions league, but a far bigger deal than the open cup is in the United States right now. And if you go and you watch a game or you see the way that this is going to play out between these rivalry cities, because there's not a ton of big cities. And I think only forge has been one of the lower division teams, Canadian premier league team that to make it into the, in like the last 10 years to make it into a final. It's a big deal. I've got Toronto winning this just because of just the recent additions and the fact that they can slot them in for, a certain amount of time, but we played Toronto. Um, we had to go to Edmonton. I think I can't remember what the other game was, and it was a big, it's a big, big deal. And so if you get a chance, uh, I'm not sure where, where it's uh, available to watch, but talk to anybody who's a fan um, in Canada, how big of a deal this is at pride of city. And, and you'll realize that this isn't just like a passing, passing moment for Toronto or Vancouver. Yeah, this is going to be a great game. This game's happening tomorrow night, so not a lot of rest for both of these teams that just played on Saturday or this past weekend. The game kicks off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. It is going to be in Vancouver. I think that gives them a slight advantage. To your point, Heath, I think that home field advantage, and because it means that much to the Canadians that... Uh, and obviously, there's a CONCACAF Champions League berth at stake too, right? So it's going to mean mm-hmm. a lot to, to the players. Anytime you have a chance to win a, a trophy, you got to do it. So we'll see how Toronto FC performs. But I just think they have maybe a little bit too much. And we'll see. It always comes down to the fine margins and the biggest games who can make those plays on both sides of the ball in the biggest moments. Yep. But I like Toronto FC to go on and do it. So just to recap, I've got Sac Republic edging out my sport in Kansas City. Maybe I'm doing a reverse jinx. Maybe I'm doing a reverse jinx. I got New York Red Bulls facing them in the final, and I got Toronto FC winning the Can- Canadian Championship. Keith, are you in agreement on those? Yeah, I've got, yeah, Toronto. I'm going to go with Red Bulls, Toronto, and uh, and Sacramento Republic uh, in this one. All right. Look at look at us two handsome geniuses over yeah. here. All right, everybody, we're going to call we it a right. show. It's Soccer We Trust is done, and I promise we'll have Charlie Chuck Wack and Davies back for us on Thursday and Friday later this week. So make sure you hit those notifications if you haven't already hit like and subscribe. Drop us a follow on Twitter, ISWT Pod, and uh, thank you for all of your support and all the great ratings that we're getting on all the audio platforms as well. It's absolutely fantastic, and uh, we're very grateful for all the love and, and support that we're getting from our audience. So on behalf of producer Des and producer Alex, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad, and okay, fine. On behalf of Hollywood Heath Chris as well, say thank you for watching and listening to In Soccer We Trust, and we will see you later this week. 